Dennis Stewart, you often talk about herbs uh, as being really good to help with conditions when mm. people suffer from those conditions. Mm. Do they have a role in preventive medicine, preventing things happening? Oh, look, uh, in fact, I think that's probably where they shine. It's interesting, a couple of weeks ago I was giving a lecture and I was talking about the term that Rudolf Weiss uses with reference to this when he spoke about phytopreventative medicine, uh, which basically means using herbal medicine as prevention. We'll talk about it today. To a new RFM's Health Naturally. Dennis Stewart, looking at preventive uses for herbs and things today, but we do have a couple of calls. And Robin has rung in from Tanambit. Robin, your question's about excessive sweats. Yes, David. I've mentioned this to my doctor many times. I'm uh-huh. 74. Yes, yes. And... It never, it's so bad, it never seems normal to me, okay. even though the doctors never seem to think, okay. say anything. And I have to wonder, number one, is there anything I can do herbally or... Okay. Yeah. Now, now, did this sweating come on subsequent to your menopause? Well, my menopause was in 52. Yes, I'm now 74, but it's, 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 it's much, it's, much worse okay. than ever before. The only reason I ask that is that your case seems to be very similar to that of a lady that uh, I saw in my Gosford rooms uh, probably 25 years ago who mm. who was constantly a lather of perspiration which had uh, started at the menopause but had never uh, taken up and mm. was in fact so embarrassing that it had compromised the lady's social life. Well that's exactly what's happening to me. And she came up from uh, from Goulburn to visit her daughter, who was living in Wyoming, a suburb of Gosford, I hadn't had much to do with this before. It's not an easy condition to treat. And what I'm going to say now uh, may or may not help you. But right. what, I, what I suggested that she do um, was to start using uh, sage. Sage, sage. okay. Now, yeah. s- sage is also known as red sage. It, it's, I'm writing this down. Yeah, it's, botan- <laughs> it's, its botanical name is Salvia officinalis. It's a very easy herb to source, right. and right. fortunately it can be obtained uh, readily from your health food store, pharmacy, or uh-huh. wherever, and sometimes even in an encapsulated form. Right. Now, um, presently I'm doing very well with a, a, a young man uh, who has a condition uh, like yours, only it's restricted uh, to the palms of his hands, and they literally, I mean literally, drip um, oh. with perspiration. And he's doing remarkably well on sage, but um, we had to manipulate the capsules of sage in order to get a dose that began to cause the condition to retreat. So what I'm going to, uh, with the reference to this lady that came up uh, from Goldman, Mm-hmm. As a result of her staying with her daughter and going on to the medication, simple sage capsules, uh, for the first time in her life, she was relatively free of the problem and went back to Goulburn very jubilant that she had come oh, to the centre. Oh, I'd be very jubilant <laughs> okay. too, David. <laughs> now, look, it, 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 it might be that the, the resolution of her problem had, had yes. more to do with the time of relaxation she had with a daughter, but I would like to think that it was based on SAGE because technically a SAGE is referred to as an antihydrotic agent. Now, technically and medically that means that it takes up abnormal perspiration 
It's well documented in our literature, the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia of 1983, that uh, I frequently refer to on this program, has the monograph of sage, and one of its indications is for um, perspiration. So look, it's a very a readily available herb. It's very, very inexpensive. Uh, well, I w- even I- better still. It is indeed. <laughs> I would give it a try. If you're going to give it a try, give it a I'm run for about it a, a month. And yes, I certainly start will. O- start off taking it at the minimum uh, dose recommended on the label and work upwards okay. to the maximum dose. You, you must get some result, I am sure. Well, I'm, I'm certainly happy to try it because yes. it's really, really awful. Yeah. Now, the only, it's my face and the only thing, just, yeah. The only thing I would say is, and I'm sure your good GP has mentioned this or discussed it with you, sometimes heat and perspiration has uh, to do with underlying problems, maybe even thyroid problems, but I'm presuming your good GP has done all that investigation. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just what we call an idiosyncratic problem. So best of mm. luck best of luck with Sage. This is Two and RFM's Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart taking your calls. Louise has rung in from Warners Bay. And we were talking about Manuka eye drops last week, Dennis Stewart. So Louise, you've got a comment to make on them. Yes, I just want to say hello, Dennis. Hello, Louise. I just want to say thank you very, very much. I have been having problems with my eyes for probably two months yes. where it's like somebody threw sand in them yes. and i having a lot of problems seeing. Eventually, I um, took, no, no matter what eye drops I used, it didn't help. Yes. Eventually, I took myself to the optometrist and yes. he said, no, no, your eyesight is fine. Yes. You suffer from dry eye. Yes. But I thought dry eye, my husband has it, but his eyes run. Yes. And mine don't. Mine is like you, you've thrown sand in them mm-hmm. and I just doesn't, and I just could not get rid of that. Yes. So um, the, they told me to use dry eye drops, and the doctor gave me a, a gel to use yes. at night. Um, and then, but that, that wasn't helping either. And I was listening to your program last week, mm. and you suggested manuka dry eye drops. Yes. I said, okay, yes. let's yes. try it. Yes. I got hold of some. Yes. And uh, oh, amazing! From the first time I used them, the sand is gone. Yes. I can now see clearly. Yes. It's it's made such a difference. Yes. So thank you very, very much. Look, your your experience is uh, somewhat uh, similar to mine. I was just discussing with 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 Jane that my uh, my interest uh, in honey, of course, is well known, and my understanding of of the characteristics of manuka is, is profound. I've studied it for so long, uh, but I had a, a situation where recently. I um, had a trouble. I had trouble with one of my eyes, which uh, one of the eyelids was was very inflamed and uh, was diagnosed as a, a blepharitis. And my GP did a good job. He uh, diagnosed it correctly and prescribed uh, some steroid drops, which helped greatly. But of course, the moment I stopped using them, um, they, the condition started to creep back. So um, I, I saw the Manuka eye drops and. Knew a little bit about honey, obviously, and began to use them. Um, I still use them, and I get the same result as you. So, your experience is similar to mine, and I have no problem in in recommending. What uh, I what I found is that mm-hmm. it, people are going to be aware that when they use them, yes. um, your eyes will sting, yes. and I mean, really, yeah. really, really, really oh. will sting. But mm. don't be afraid. Okay. Um, just okay. well, you know, just close your eyes for a little while okay. because they. 
you know, it, it really, people are going to be frightened. It's going to say, you know, what's happening? Yeah. Because it really, really stings your eyeballs. Well, but I, 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 I didn't have that experience, but... Um, I, I did, yes. But ne- never mind. The, the reality of it is that after a little bit of unpleasantness, your, con- no your condition gave way and uh, you've it's, done it's, well on a, at a, at a very harmless substance. So isn't that yeah, great? So- it's so it's, it's amazing. So thank you, Dennis. Okay. You're, you're, okay. you're a gem. You're worth oh, your waiting oh, gold. Oh, that's very, very nice. Ah, oh, we all say that, don't we? <laughs> thank you, Louise, for your call. Mm. And four nine two one six two one six. if you've got a, a topic to bring up or a question for Dennis Stewart today or um, whatever. Mm. Uh, well, Dennis, we might take a look at um, herbs as preventative, preventative agents. Things. Yes. Yeah, look, I think this is a fascinating topic as... I said in my introduction only a couple of weeks ago, I was doing some lecturing and I took up the topic of what Dr. Weiss refers to in his excellent book on herbal medicine as phytoprevention. Now, that might sound very technical, but phyto is essentially the word that means herbs or plant. So what Dr. Weiss was talking about was using herbs or plants as preventative agents in medicine. Um, in Europe, by the way, the term um, phyto is more popularly used in referring to herbal medicine than anything else. Phytotherapy is the is the name that's popularly used uh, in Germany and, and in, in other places, mainly, I think, to try to give uh, herbal medicine, if you like, a more medical acceptance. That mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't concern me too much. But anyway, what, what I was talking about was the way in which uh, the use of herbs can be very effective in stopping the drift towards serious conditions or more serious states of a condition. And you might say, well, now, what do you mean by that? Well, listeners that have listened to me over the years will know that I've spoken frequently about things that one can do for oneself uh, that can help. Uh, Things like, for instance, the drift towards the complication of diabetes, particularly uh, diabetic retinopathy or diabetic retinopathy and some of the peripheral problems associated with diabetes. Now, listeners would have heard me talk about the role of bilberry used as a supplement, and I've put myself out on the limb frequently uh, and have said that um, I think uh, people, uh, certainly in the early stages of um, diabetic uh, diagnoses, should almost be mandatorily recommended to go to the pharmacy or the health food store and start taking a harmless, innocuous supplement, uh, bilberry, which has a very profound chemistry, which has been shown and subsequently documented in our literature as having the potential to lessen the drift towards these two very, very serious complications. And I have evidence on my cards of patients that have done that and even uh, in the diagnosis that they've been given, subsequent to using, say, the bilberry, their ophthalmologist has noticed uh, stabilisation and other medical indications that demonstrate that using this simple supplement has in fact done something to, for their condition. Um, I could talk all day about my experience uh, with bilberry as an oral supplement used to address diabetic complications and very, very serious complications. I could recollect a lady that I saw in Broadmeadow uh, just after the earthquake where I was practising for a while 
who had a an ulcer on the ball of her foot, which was so compromising, particularly with her age and diabetic complications, that she she was recommended to have surgery. As a result, as a result, and I wrote a paper on this. As a result of using uh, bilberry over a period of time, and at the same time dressing the the, the lesion with honey ointment, that woman's foot was saved. Now, what am I talking about? Here is a case where using one simple supplement, in this case bilberry, that prevented that lady from drifting towards a surgical situation. Phytoprevention means using a herb, usually a very innocuous herb, a herb that's very close frequently to a nutritional supplement, to stop the, the drift towards a more serious state of the condition. And this is where I think... Uh, I hope my mainstream brethren don't hate me for saying this, but this is where the mainstream perhaps needs to look a little bit more seriously at these gentle herbs as components of a medical treatment, particularly when these things are not in any way at all interfering with the medical management. Phytoprevention, if you like, using phytotherapy, herbal medicine as preventative medicine. We'll talk more about it. Just one question mm. before we leave this for the yep. moment and then come back to yep. it. Uh, is bilberry related to blueberry yes. at all? Uh, they both belong to what's called the vaccinium genus, uh, for the sake of listeners. A herb has uh, a generic name and then it has a species name. So with bilberry, it's vaccinium matillus. Uh, with blueberry, don't hold me to it, but it has a species <laughs> name. But essentially the chemistry is the same. Uh, bilberry and blueberry have a similar chemistry, um, which is a, which allowed some companies here that I was associated with years ago to actually produce an extract based on, on the blueberry, which was used for all intents and purposes for the extract of the bilberry. This is Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Dennis, uh, Maxine has rung in from Singleton. Mm-hmm. And Maxine, you've got a question about rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Hi, Dennis. Hello, Maxine. Uh, yeah, I was uh, diagnosed with it a few months ago. Yes. And uh, I've been put on methotrexate. Methotrexate, that's correct. Uh, I was wondering if there's any herbal thing that'll help as well. Okay. Look, with rheumatoid arthritis, as your specialist would have told you, this is an autoimmune condition. So the treatment you're having involves basically medications that will quieten down the attack of your immune system on your joints. So you, in my opinion, you're obliged for the time being to stay with this medication. Your specialist will monitor the condition uh, and make sure that it's not having any adverse effects, particularly on, on your liver and other organs of your body. Yeah. But you need to stay on it until the acuteness of the condition is controlled, at which stage your specialist may uh, decide to prescribe or recommend uh, another form of anti-inflammatory medication or indeed uh, you might even discuss with him alternatives at that point, at that point. Right. But you, you would be, in my opinion, quite foolish uh, to uh, veer away from the oh, medication no, I'm you're taking. I know, I'm going to stay on it. Because, but but there, there are things you can do, um, even at this stage, that are, if you like, non-medical. Now, and, and by the way, you, you should mention this to your... Uh, to your um, rheumatologist, but there's a significant amount of information suggesting that higher dosages of fish oils 
are useful, particularly for rheumatoid arthritis. Now, I know that sounds uh, left field and very simplistic, <laughs> and, and I know fish oils are overstated as far as the benefits that they uh, claim to have. Um, but with reference to rheumatoid arthritis, even in some of the technical literature that I have, which looks fairly critically at the use of, of natural things in, in, in medicine, fish oil in high dosages comes up as a useful supplement contributing to an anti-inflammatory benefit. So uh, the thing, though, is if you are to use fish oils, you need to take it in the high dosages of about 6 to 9 grams a day. I have frequently talked with people who have said, oh, yes, but I've used the fish oils, and you find out they've taken one capsule of 1,000 milligrams occasionally. If, you, if you're going to use it, first of all, at least discuss it, discuss it with your GP, if not your rheumatologist. I can't see any reason why it would clash. It would take a while to kick in. Um, I can't see any reason why there would be objection to it. But if you're going to use it, use it in higher dosages and oh. use it for an extended period of time. Right, six to nine grams. That's, that's the recommendation that I make. Um, everyone's different. But in the literature that I have, the, the dosages for it tend to be around that level. Now, uh, if you're going to go down this pathway again, uh, let your GP and your specialist know that's the right and courteous thing to know. I'm sure with reference to this, there would be no problems. Then when you're more comfortable, you should consider, I would recommend you consider anyway, some of the plant-based anti-inflammatory agents, the curcumins, uh, the willow bark, uh, the many other herbs in traditional medicine that may be able to impact on any residual inflammation yeah. that you have. And very good luck with that path, Maxine. Now, Jim has rung in from Lemon Tree Passage. Um, you've got some problems with your breathing apparatus, Jim. Is that right? Uh, yes, thanks for taking my call. It's uh, actually for my brother. He has bronchiectasis, uh, yes. Dennis. Bronchiectasis, and, uh, yes. Yeah, and he uh, gets uh, attacks now and again. He gets strong antibiotics, which it would clear it up in a, uh, shortly. But okay. uh, some, something to take between times. Okay. Does he live here or in the UK, Jim? Yeah, in the UK, down okay. in Northern Ireland, uh, yes. The reason I mention that is that um, um, sometimes it's difficult for people outside of Australia to get some of the things that I mentioned. But he should be able um, to get these things that I'm going to speak about. Um, yes. What part of the UK does he live in, Jim? Yeah, he lives in Northern Ireland. Okay. There, there are some very good herbalists in the north of Ireland. But if you have a, a pencil and paper there, um, note the name National Institute of Medical Herbalists. Could yes, you, yes. Could you write that down? Yes, now, okay, I've got that. The reason I mention yes. that is that they are a register in the United Kingdom that have a register of competent practitioners that uh, belong to that organisation. And these practitioners would be trained essentially in the same model of herbalism that I was trained in, and therefore they should be able to access the sorts of herbs that I'm going to talk about. And I'll be very brief, but she will need to see a herbalist or a pharmacist over there that can prescribe a liquid, let me emphasise, a liquid herbal medicine essentially containing the following herbs. What other herbs the pharmacist or the herbalist puts into the mix doesn't matter, but the following herbs are crucial. And I'll go slowly so that you could write them down so when you contact your brother, 
you can tell him that these are the herbs that Dennis insists must be in the mix regardless of anything else. Jim, I know a lot about bronchiectasis. It's in my family. I've treated hundreds of patients uh, with this condition uh, and still have many on my books that do well. The first herb is echinacea, E-C-H-I-N-A-C-E-A. Yes, the, yes, se- the, se- the second herb is elecampane, E-L-E-C-A-M-P-A-N-E. Yes, yes. The next one is garlic. Yes. And the next one is golden seal. Okay, yes. And the last one is white whorehound. Right, I've got all of Now, that, that mixture essentially is comprised of herbs that have a stimulating effect on the immune system, so the, the immune system becomes more competent in recognising the infection and developing the appropriate antibody response, and it also contains some herbs that have natural uh, antibiotic characteristics, particularly the garlic and the golden seal, and white whorehound provides a very useful and healthy uh, expectorant substance that uh, assists in, in the bringing up, if you like, of a lot of the congestion that is characteristic of this condition. Um, this condition, this could be taken as required or preferably if he suffers from it chronically, he should perhaps invest in taking it on a low dose basis indefinitely and accelerating the dose if and when um, it, it requires it. Frequently, Jim, this will see a situation that has hitherto been dependent on antibiotic prescriptions become less dependent on them. Uh, yes, fine. Thank you, Dennis. And uh, all of this stuff will go along with any type of uh, drugs that he may be on. It would, it would be unlikely to clash. But again, Jim, as you frequently hear me on this say on this program, yes. if you are embarking on complementary medicine, the ethical and the decent thing to do is to run it past your man- medical manager, who is usually the GP or the specialist. But if it's anything like what I experience here in Newcastle. Very rarely do I find objection uh, to the prescription of something like this because it is not in opposition to anything and it doesn't really clash with most medication that patients might be on. And we wish your brother all the very best yes, with that, Jim. Yes. And on to a new RFM's Health Naturally. Charlie has rung in from Hamlin Ter- Terrace and tinnitus is on your mind or in your ears, should I say, Charlie. Yes, exactly. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm good. How, how I should say, well, not good, but how, how long have you been battling with your tinnitus? I've been suffering with tinnitus for about three years now, so okay. I've been to see quite a few doctors. Yes. Um, I've been to ENT, which he put a camera up my nose, yes. checked everything out. He originally yes. thought the eustachian tubes may have been blocked. Oh, yes. Uh, so I was on nasal X for a yes. while, and that didn't seem to help. Okay. Um... And last month, my doctor put me on a depression tablet called Endep. Oh, yes, yes, yes. A very, yes. very light dose. He yes. said it may help. He yes. wasn't sure. So yes. I did I did take one because I'm getting very desperate. Of course. Um, and um, I had very bad side effects from that tablet. I was probably crooked for a week after oh, that. Oh, dear, dear. Um, so it just didn't agree with me. So I haven't been back there yet to see him. Okay. Um, I'm also on Ginkgo Biola, the okay. 6,000 milligrams. How long have you been on it for, Charlie? I'd say four months, okay. and sometimes I think they help, yep. but I, I don't really know. Okay, you're you're on the you're on the right track. Let me let yes. me say to to, to start. Uh, 
<clears throat> natural medicine practitioners haven't got any secrets with this condition. Uh, medic yes. Medicos acknowledge that it's it's difficult to treat, and you have gone down all the right pathways in having an investigated and the condition clarified. However, um, a lot of work has been done on the herb ginkgo biloba, uh, yes. and the the preparation that you are taking, and I have reams of information on the herb. One of the indications that comes up, which is in fact approved by what's called the European Commission. Now, let me just say that the European Commission is a body which gives the nod to claims that are made uh, for medications uh, related to various conditions. Now, with reference to tinnitus, the European Commission has given the nod for the use of Ginkgo biloba. But what you need to note about this is that even if you get uh, a hint early in the piece that something is happening, it might not go anywhere. But, but everything that I've read says with, with ginkgo biloba, you need to work with it at least six to nine months. Okay, I if, understand, if, yes. If not longer. Uh, yes. And uh, fortunately, it's, it's, <coughs> it's readily ex- acceptable, um, uh, available. It's not that expensive. And, no, no. And these days, all preparations tend to be based on what's called the ginkgo biloba extract, GBE, um, yes. I would suggest you keep working with that. The only other um, thing that um, I would say is um, discuss with your pharmacist um, the dosage that you you might be taking. All the containers that you that contain ginkgo would have a dosage on it, but sometimes sometimes a therapeutic dose might be recommended to be a bit higher. You need yes. perhaps to run that past your pharmacist who can get on the computer and look at uh, the dose range that's used within medicine sure, sure. for the use of it. Now, interestingly, interestingly, there are three older herbs in the British yes. Herbal Pharmacopoeia that are also called up for, for, for tinnitus. And I'll, I'll state them slowly for you. Um, yes, I'll write them down. Okay. Interestingly, the, the one that, uh, that I have had uh, most benefit with is a fascinating little herb, not well known, called ground ivy. Ground ivy. Ground ivy, yeah, yes, I've got that, yeah. The, the, the second one is the American herb, black cohosh. And the third... Black, what, is, what, what was the last name, sorry? Black, black cohosh, C-O-H-O-S-H. Black got cohosh. It, yeah. And the, the third herb you would have heard me talk yep. about is golden seal. And golden seal, I have yeah. I have occasionally um, prescribed that mixture where the, okay. gink, where the ginkgo has gone nowhere. And only yesterday... Uh, interestingly, I saw an elderly patient who was taking the liquid and has been taking it for quite some time. Uh, it was giving a great benefit. Uh, not always does it do that, but in her case it did. She went overseas and didn't take the medicine with her. And right. while she was overseas, the condition reasserted itself. She was glad to get back on it when she came back. And yesterday yep. when I was speaking to her, she was saying that already the condition had started to uh, be more bearable. So yes. my point is, look, give the ginkgo a run. You, yes. can, you can, if you want, um, mm-hmm. have the mixture made up and take it in association with it. Uh, yes. the, the two will not clash. Uh, the only yes. thing that might happen, happen is there might be a bit of confusion as to what is doing what, but who cares. Um, correct, you yes. should you should be able to. Um, where are you? You're at Hamlin Terrace. Hamlin, Hamlin Terrace, Terrace yes, yeah, Central Coast, New South Wales. Okay. Um, let me see. Is that close to um, 
Gorikut or anywhere around there? Yes, it's just around the corner from Gorikin, yes. Okay. Look, Bunnings has just opened a big place there at... Um, oh, Charm Haven. Charm Haven. Now, yes. opposite Charm Haven is a wellness centre. Oh, yes, and they, okay. They yes. have a herbalist there. Yes. Um, I would suggest that you touch base yes, with, with that. I and um, uh, I, I know that place. I'm using it actually presently for a lecture for them. Very, yes. very good clinic, very good centre. And they would stock those herbs that I've mentioned. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely, I'll definitely try Give it a go and see how you um, go. And I'm, yeah. I'm very interested in tinnitus because it's a difficult condition and uh, sometimes this approach has given um, some results that are, are quite quite surprising. To a new RFM's Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart taking your calls and talking about prevention in between times. And Gary uh, from Cessnock has rung in and your question's about a high prostate reading. That's correct. Good afternoon, Jane and Dennis. Hello, Gary. Uh, talking there the other day doctor and he said a reading of 17 but other, all other blood tests all came back clear so mm-hmm. I, I did hear you there the other day I was listening to your program talking to another fellow and you mentioned some product there that he he could take which would be a bonus or a benefit to somebody that has got a high reading of prostate. Um, I can't recollect that but anyway what I would say is, is this the uh, with your high reading of the prostate, um, has, has it been progressively moving up to that level or has it just done it suddenly? No, it's been slowly moving up over the years, yeah. Okay. Uh, is your prostate enlarged? When I had it last checked, they said it was enlarged, but that was normal for my age. Okay. So when you have a pee, you have no trouble? No, no troubles whatsoever, nothing. Okay. And you're not up all hours of the night? No, okay. no. Your Has your doctor at this stage suggested a biopsy or um, any sort of scanning of the of your, of your gland? He just gave me a recommendation to go and see uh, Dr Patterson and yes. he'll probably do an MRI. Yes. Look, I would follow that up. Oh, I, I will do. I would follow that up. The, th- the thing, uh, your, your doctor uh, would probably tell you the same, but... The, the prostate or the PSA level doesn't necessarily correlate uh, with with prostate cancer. No. Um, I um, I have a, a good friend of mine who I've been treating for various things in Cessnock, um, a well-known Cessnock identity, one of the old-timers there, thank God yep. for them, and he has had a prostate or a PSA level that's been as high as 22. Wow. And... and uh, has been, you know, like that for very, very many years, um, and he's never had, and doesn't have, at this late stage of his life, any prostate cancer. So, oh, so um, I would say that if if you are not having any problems uh, in urinating, no, if, if you're com- if you're comfortable, um, you can discuss with your doctor or your specialist that you're seeing. The use of saw palmito, that was a herb that I mentioned frequently in relation to enlargement of the prostate gland, where it can sometimes improve the yes. symptoms. And what's that called? Saw palmito, S-A-W. S-A-W, P A L M E T O. Now, it's it's very, very available um, in, in Cessnock. 
Um, you get it from Cumberland Street. You get it from down in the in the mall. Um, but again, I say it's more for enlargement, yeah. uh, not necessarily uh, to address elevated PSA levels. Yeah. You, you can try it if you like, but uh, if I were you, I'd just uh, go along happily, have the condition regularly monitored, yeah. uh, do what your GP says, see the good specialist you're going to see, um, and I'm sure that they will tell you the same, that the yeah, PSA level... There's no, yeah. no panic bells ringing. So. Yeah, that's right. Had you, had you recently had an infection of the gland? I've had no problems whatsoever. Okay. Now, look... If I were you, I'd go along, do exactly what you're doing and wouldn't seek too much in this system of medicine because I don't think you need it. Ah, well, there you go. That's an excellent feeling, isn't it? (laughs) And uh, thanks for your call. And, uh, yeah, that's Gary. And we've had a couple of callers ring in, uh, Dennis, and they would like you to just go over that list of herbs that you said was good for tinnitus. The, the, The three herb mixture based on the recommendations of the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, would be ground ivy, black cohosh, and golden seal. Now, they would be liquid herbs that would be combined, a dose established, and taken at least for a month or so, or maybe longer, um, to see if it did any good. But let me just say again, tinnitus is a difficult condition to treat, uh, no, uh, the difficulty is with herbal medicine as with the mainstream. Worthwhile giving it a go. Sounds good. Now we've just got a couple of minutes left, mm. Dennis, and uh, before we have a little bit of Christmas cheer, mm. <laughs> musically speaking. And uh, <laughs> oh, what a pity! <laughs> what a pity you say. Now we did start talking about uh, herbs being used to pre- as preventative, preventative. agents. And, yes, and we could have uh, said a lot about this, but one of the herbs that Doctor Vice. I keep mentioning Dr. Weiss because he's had such an impact on my lecturing over so many years. Wonderful doctor, wonderful herbalist, as only the Germans can produce. Um, he uh, mentioned, for instance, the herb hawthornberry, Crotigus oxycantha. Uh, by the way, Jane, my dear wife and myself are going to the high country to Armadale uh, for Christmas, and one of our reasons is to hunt and have a look at what the hawthornberries are doing. <laughs> this time of the year they're usually in blossom, uh, we usually wander around and, and uh, see where we're going to collect them next time we go up. Great place for Hawthorne. When do the nuts uh, yeah. grow? When do they mature? Well, they, they wouldn't mature now. We usually go up in about March or April. Yes. But they, the, I'm hoping the Hawthorne will be in blossom. That'll be good. Uh, it'll be magic. Mm. But uh, Vice was saying that Hawthorne berry should be used preventatively, particularly for people in my age bracket, which is very old, as a remedy to lessen less than cardiovascular distress. Okay, so cardiac vascular distress Absolutely. is really good with Hawthorne uh, berry. The, the fragile, senile heart Dr. Vice speaks of. <laughs> oh, Dennis. Well, we've still got a minute left, so Have you we can really? talk. Well, is there another quick example? Well, another quick one should be the way in which people who have been told by their doctor that they're borderline type 2 diabetic. Now, I introduced, as far as I'm aware, powdered, powdered preparations of bitter melon for my own use initially, but now for many people using it, that is a remarkable substance at a preventative level to stop the drift towards blood sugar problems that climax in a definite diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. So there's another example of where bitter melon, particularly in a simple powdered preparation, very economical, taken over a period of time, if if, if forever, so to speak, 
uh, can be taken to lessen the likelihood of drifting to type 2. Excellent. What a lot of good topics we've covered today, Dennis. Wonderful program. Must be Christmas. Must be Christmas. (laughs) Must be indeed. (laughs) And Health Naturally back next Friday. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.